but I've come to inspire a group of men and women who are expecting the hand of God. If you came tonight, if you came hungry, my Bible says that the hungry will be filled. Those who thirst for righteousness will be filled. So tonight is your night. Are you ready, church? I ask Real Life every week, you ready for God's word? Hallelujah. We ready. God, anoint my lips. God, give us sensitive hearts tonight. God, we rebuke every power and principality and ruler of darkness that would try to steal from your word tonight. We rebuke every distraction. God, we place our focus and our attention. We fix our eyes on you tonight, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So, God, thank you for this opportunity. Bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I have the privilege, thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to teach on baptism. And in God's word, I'm going to get right to it because we want to be prompt, and I like to preach. So uh, in Acts chapter 9, we see this story, and it's one of God's disciples, Jesus' disciples. His name is Philip. And an angel of the Lord comes to Philip, and he says, hey, go to the road, the desert road that leads from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And, and so Philip, being an obedient disciple, does immediately what God tells him to do, and that's a sermon in itself. To do what God tells you to do is a good thing. That shows me that Philip was expecting God to do something. And, and on the way, on the road, Philip meets an Ethiopian man. And this was a very prominent man. He was a man of stature, a man of influence. He was the treasurer for the, the queen of Ethiopia. So he handled all of the queen's a royal bank note. He held her money. And so he was a very influential man. And so the Spirit of God fell again and told Philip, he said, go and follow this Ethiopian eunuch and stay close to his chariot as he travels. And so as the Ethiopian was traveling, the scripture says he was reading, the Ethiopian was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And that tells me, not only does Philip expect God to do something, but even the unbelieving Ethiopian was expecting something from some heavenly being. And so the scripture, where I'm going to put it up on the screen in verse 32, the Ethiopian says the scripture in Isaiah, it says he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth, speaking of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That's our God. And the, the scripture continues in verse 34. It says, the eunuch asked Philip, this is Philip's right there, the angel sent him. He was willing and available, and it says, please tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He took the opportunity because he was expecting. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said he didn't wait. He, didn't, he was not bashful. He learned about Jesus and the grace of God. And he said, look, there's some water. Can I get baptized? He said, look, here's the water. What reason is there for me not to be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you can. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
And when he came, he got baptized, y'all. And when he came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on rejoicing. He came out them waters rejoicing that God has changed his life. The grace of God had impacted him, and the spirit of God showed him a manifestation that is incredible. I, I pray to God that I get to see the spirit of God move like that. Tonight, church, I've come to challenge us that baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. That's exactly what it is. And tonight, I'm here to challenge us. There's power in baptism. And tonight, there's actually multiple baptisms. We, we immediately think about water and being dunked, and, or even some of us have brought, been brought up in, in cultures that, that sprinkle and, and whatnot. But baptism is not just water immersion, church. Tonight, we're going to celebrate as a few of our North Highland family members follow the Lord in baptism in water. And I'm going to ask you, when they get baptized in just a few moments, we need to be like the eunuch. And when they come out the water, we need to celebrate with them. Because it's an incredible thing. God is cutting off the old and bringing the new to life when they're baptized. We're going to celebrate their decision for Christ. It's going to be an outward expression of an inward faith in Jesus. But like the Ethiopian in the Gospels, Jesus made sense in his life. Now these individuals want to express that they've been changed by the grace of Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. But there's multiple baptisms, and we're going to practice all three tonight. We're going to practice all three because there's a baptism in water, and tonight, the main thing I'm going to focus on is there's a baptism of repentance. And last but not least, there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I, I know that God wants to fill this church with his Holy Spirit so that we can do what he's called us to do, so that we can fulfill the prophetic word of doubling. We won't double without the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have his anointing on our life, church. Tonight, we're going to celebrate multiple individuals publicly but tonight, church, I'm here to challenge us because I believe that more Christians need to function in the power of baptism. It's not just a, when you first get saved and you show yourself to be a Christian through baptism. All of us should be expressing baptism in our everyday life. All of us should have an outward expression of how God is changing us inwardly every single day of our life. Baptism should be corporately practiced more often, in my opinion. What I mean is God is actively at work in our lives, so there should be an outward expression from all of us, not just one person. I drop my son and my daughter off. This is just a simple example to school every single morning, and when I drop them off, they're here to testify. I pray as soon as we start turning into their school, I start praying over them because they are entering into their mission field in the public school system. And I pray that God would protect them from all unrighteousness. I pray that they would be an influencer and not be easily influenced. I pray, pray that God would give them strength, give them peace. I pray that God would give them wisdom and grow them in stature. And I pray a blessing over their life every single morning. And what happens, and it's the saddest thing of my day, it hurts so bad, because they get the little door open for them by some little elementary school kids, and they say, good morning. And I'm like, hey, what's up? I don't know you. And, and uh, they open up the door for my children and my little 
almost seven-year-old daughter and my almost nine-year-old son jump out of the car and the door shut. Say, have a good morning. All right, you too. And I watch my children because they are the most important thing in my life. And what happens is they start walking towards the door and immediately they will turn and see if I'm looking. And as soon as they turn and we catch eyes, they know, because I've trained them, to throw up, and, and it's from their heart. It's so sweet. They don't, they're not forced, guys. I'm not forcing them to do this. But out of their love for their father, they throw up that little symbol, a little, this means I love you. And when that happens, my heart breaks. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm a perfect girl. I love you, baby. Oh, you can have all my money. You can do whatever you want, just not with boys. Yeah. Hallelujah. And what happens in that moment is there is an expectation in my children. Because there is something happening on the inside. And they want to see something visible happen on the outside by their father putting that symbol out. It's an outward expression of an inward love. What would happen if I just stared them down and was like, shoot. They would not feel loved. What would happen if we just spent our lives receiving the grace and the mercy and the power of God and never fully extending our love back to him in an outward expression. That's what baptism is all about. That's an outward, see, baptism should not be a one-time event in the life of a Christ follower. It shouldn't just be a one-time event. It should be a consistent discipline in our life. We don't need to get dunked in a baptismal on the regular. I'm not telling you that. Maybe if you fall away from the Lord and you spend a time where you are a prodigal and you turn your heart back to Jesus, man, that, that would be an adequate time to get re-baptized. But if you're following, you don't need to get baptized every Sunday. That would be not only the worst inconvenient spiritual ritual, that would just be dumb. We don't need that. But we can function in the baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. The baptism of repentance is found in Acts chapter 19 and verse 4. It says this. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. To demonstrate a desire to turn from sin and to turn to God, he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus Christ. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they repented, and then they were baptized in water. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There's a process. It's a biblical process where people get saved, they get baptized, a public profession of faith, and then they get the power of God manifest in their life. And I believe that's what's going to happen tonight. We're not just going to witness baptism. We're going to participate in baptism. They were, they were, there's patterns in the New Testament. But unfortunately, America has lost the discipline of repentance. America has lost the discipline of the baptism of repentance. We have forgotten what it is. For some reason, there is a taboo when it comes to repentance, y'all. It's, it's like a foreign language, and, and I'm here tonight to proclaim that that is a deceptive lie from the pit of hell. I want to hopefully express how that stigma is a tool of the enemy to keep us from who we're supposed to be, and that's free. We're supposed to be free, not bound to guilt. We're supposed to be free, not bound to shame. 
We're supposed to be free, not bound to a sense of condemnation. We're supposed to be free. There should be a sense that there's, there shouldn't be a sense that there's something wrong with us. We should know that the blood of Jesus has set us free. And it was a once and for all atoning sacrifice that is good enough to make me holy as he is holy. It's, it says in God's word, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Walking in Christ is not supposed to be heavy. But what we find ourselves in most American lives is we find men and women who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but walk around with such guilt, with such shame, with sh they, they feel like they're defeated, that nothing is possible for them. And I'm, I'm here tonight. The problem is we allow our pride to get in the way of repentance instead of placing our faults and failures on Christ. And we try to carry our, our failures and our inconsistencies ourselves when God has called us to practice repentance. Church, can we shift our mindset tonight? Can we shift our mindset tonight to believe that good things happen when we repent? Like it is so weird, it's so awkward when you have a conflict with someone and you walk into a room, a setting maybe like this. Man, if you have an unresolved, unforgiven con conflict with someone and you walk into church and you're like, oh, I see that person on the other side of the room. Maybe you're like, I can't believe they're raising their hands right now. I, can't, I know what they did last night. I saw their Instagram. I saw what they were, I know what they did. They were subtweeting me. I can't stand them. The spirit of God is not with them, right? We walk into a room, and because there's unrepentance, man, it can ruin things. Can I get a witness? As I walk, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I strive to be holy as God is holy, but I am a man capable of just as much sin as any other man. And there's days where I have a stressful day, and I come home, and my kids get all excited, they're like, Daddy's home. Let's let's go buck wild. They go crazy. And I don't have the patience in the moment. And I may say something. I'm not mean. I'm not abusive. But I may say, you better listen to your mama, right? First thing out of my mouth should be I love you. But sometimes I'm, a, a, I'm not a perfect man. And so sometimes I will say something that, that may crush their little spirits. But can I tell you that never helps? That never actually improves their behavior. Actually, it, it actually festers a spirit of rebellion. Whenever I do that and I'm like, I don't got time for this, I'm tired. Man, that just makes them want to act out because they need their father's attention. And whenever I decide to swallow my pride and bend down on my knee and say, son, I'm sorry. I should have spent more time with you. I should have said this. I shouldn't have said that. Man, whenever that happens, their little love tank just begins to be full. And they turn their heart to me, and they love me, and they everything gets fixed. Can I get a witness for those who are married? Gentlemen, it does not help when you choose not to say, I'm sorry, baby. You are the most brilliant woman on the face of the planet. I was wrong. Can I tell you, let me just be borderline at church. Good things happen when I say, baby, you are, you are so right, baby. I am so wrong. You are so right. You get all that you need. You are the most beautiful, brilliant thing on the face of this planet. When you repent, oh, praise God, good things happen.
Praise the Lord. Repentance, good things happen when we repent. Can we get refreshed tonight? That is refreshing. Here's God's word. That's my word, but here's the Lord's word. 1 John 1.19 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Tonight, I'm about to challenge us to practice repentance. And you can be saved, set free. I'm a pastor, and I'm going to repent tonight because I need to repent. In the Psalms, David said in Psalm 19, he was considered a man after God's own heart. And he said, who can discern their own errors? God forgive even the hidden faults and failures that I don't even know about. He said, I don't even know what I've done to shame you, but God forgive me. He said, I'm so passionate about you. I need you to forgive me from the things I don't even know I did. We've got to practice forgiveness. God, forgive me. Let me illustrate. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. We're about to have baptism. It's going to be exciting. And good things are going to happen. So if you have signed up, you're ready to get baptized in the next few moments. I want to go ahead and dismiss you right now. And uh, if tonight is your night, you want to follow the the next step in your faith. You may not have signed up. You may not have talked to us before service. But like Pastor said, we have clothes that are ready. Like the eunuch from Ethiopia, you can be like, I know Jesus. I want it. There's some water right here. I want to follow God in baptism. And if that's you tonight, we have everything you need. If you'll just go right behind this wall to the, to the room that is beside the coffee shop, we would love to baptize you tonight and have you take that public profession of faith. But tonight I want to illustrate in one more way how powerful repentance is. One of my mentors in Orlando, Florida, from a distance, he took his son to an amusement park. And uh, it wasn't Disney. It wasn't one of the big ones because he's from Orlando. And um, he took his son and a few of their friends to, to this amusement park that had an arcade and, and like, uh, putt-putt and go-karts and a batting cage. And, and they were having a full day of fun. It was in the summer. It was hot. And they had spent about two hours riding go-karts, playing video games. And my pastor friend purchased some uh, some tokens to go to the batting cage because his son's a baseball player. And so he bought for his son and all of his friends an appointment to, to go hit balls in the batting cage. And um, it, it came time for, for their appointment slot, and they all went to the batting cage, and they start hitting balls, and my pastor friend's son was very gracious to let his friends go first. And it was hot. It's Orlando, so it's like 90-plus degrees. And they have already been playing for like two hours, so they're tired, they're hot. And, y'all, what happened was in the moment, a sound started coming from the distance. It was a little sound that is familiar to all of us. It's the ice cream truck. And the ice cream truck started coming and pulled right up into that parking lot. And it was playing its music saying, hey, we got some ice cream, y'all. We got something cold to go with your sweaty hotness. You, you, can, you can participate. This is sweet. This is going to taste good. This is going to be a good thing. The music's playing. There's anointing in music. And so 
my pastor's son, my pastor's friend, he's not my pastor, Pastor Jason's my pastor. But my pastor's friend, my mentor in youth ministry, he, he's, he watched his son as his son left his friend to go and purchase some ice cream. He saw something that was sweet. He had a difficult decision to make, and in the moment, his taste buds and the temperature were making the ice cream truck look better than they felt. He got the biggest ice cream cone available that's at that ice cream truck. And here's what happened. He got back to the batting cages right on time for his turn to bat. And he had this huge ice cream cone in his hand. And the problem is he couldn't do both. He had ice cream, but he couldn't do what his father had paid for him to do. And in that moment, he realized that he chose the temporary for something that was not fulfilling. He chose a ice cream cone, something that looked sweet in the moment, something that would bring some coolness, some relief to the tension in his life. But in that moment, he realized that what he had chosen to hold on to had robbed him of his father's blessing. And in that moment, he had to do, choose which one he was going to follow. Is he going to follow what he had chosen, or was he going to follow what was already purchased? Tonight, I've come to use that analogy. Some of us in this room have been seeing some things. You've heard some things. You've been tempted by some things. There's some things that have looked really appealing, and we've taken a hold of it, and we've said, you know, I want that. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I need to be refreshed. There's something in my life that I'm lacking, and I'm going after what's right in front of me. Tonight, we need to repent. If that's us, we need to repent and say, God, I know that you purchased my salvation. You purchased my redemption. You purchased my freedom. And if I'm holding on to my sinful nature, if I'm holding on to the things that only give me temporary pleasure, God, I can't receive the thing that you've already paid in advance for me. Tonight, we cannot experience the full blessing that our Heavenly Father has purchased for us if we're holding on to anything else. So tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no distraction, no talking, tonight in this room, I've come to tell you that it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Jonathan, I have taken a hold of something that was easily available to me, and I know that it's robbing me from a relationship with my Heavenly Father. I know that I know that I've chosen a counterfeit and I miss that intimacy that I used to have with God. I know that I've taken something that is temporary, a sin that so easily entangles us, and it's left me wanting because now I'm even more empty than when I started. If you're in this room tonight, I'm not going to embarrass you. No one wants to do that. Because it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. But if you know that you know that your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, and you say, Pastor, I've taken a hold of sin in my life, and I need to be forgiven, I need to be set free, I'm here tonight to tell you the price for your sin has already been paid. Your Father has already paid the price for you to live in freedom. So right now in this moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you want the freedom of Jesus Christ, you want the grace the mercy. You don't have to carry the weight of guilt anymore. You can be set free right now in this moment with a simple prayer. Just lift up your hand. I want to pray with you all across this room. Thank you, God.
Don't miss this opportunity. This is kindness. This is a, a kind gesture of a God that died on Calvary's cross. He took the penalty already for your sin. You don't have to do anything except say, I believe that you are the Lord. You're the Son of God, and I believe you died for my sin. So if that's you, one more chance all across this room from the front to the back. You want to receive grace. You want to receive freedom. You want to receive, receive forgiveness tonight. Thank you so much. All right, everybody in this room, loudly and proudly, say, Dear Jesus, I thank you that you paid for me to be free. I'm sorry for choosing and corrupting. I'm sorry that I walked down a path that I never should have. God, I repent tonight. I ask for your forgiveness. And tonight, I make a new commitment to you. I love you, Lord. I thank you for the price that you paid. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to do two things. And it, this is our time, church, to participate in baptism. This is our time. So we're going to do two things. First and foremost, now that we've got some things settled in the room, all of those who want the saving grace of Jesus have it. So just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't need to repent. And so tonight, nobody at the, we're going to do two altar calls and then people are going in the tank. Praise God. The first thing we're going to do, nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to pray for you. This is your opportunity to say, God, I'm sorry. I know there's unforgiveness in my life. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm going to heaven. I'm a believer. I'm a tither. Praise God. I am a board member at this church. I don't care who you are. You need to repent if God places it on your heart. I want to repent. Man, I was on the treadmill next to Keith Paul this afternoon, and we were running together, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy is old, and he's outrunning me. I'm thinking to myself, dear Lord, tonight forgive me because I didn't give my best because I was holding back so I could give my best for the church. But I wanted to take him out. Sometimes we don't give our best to God. And that's a time where we need to say, God, I'm sorry. This is a time of refreshing. And here's the thing. When we begin to let go of the things that are holding us back from our liberty and our freedom, man, God begins to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the second thing we're going to pray for. So right now in this moment, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask that you repent. I'm going to ask that you bring your sacrifice of repentance to God. It's not weird. Our culture says it's weird. Our culture says it's taboo. But I promise you, you begin to repent to God, and good things are going to happen in your life. You want a refreshing? Then get on your face before God and say, God, I know I should have done this better. I know I should have done that. I know I need to go home make that phone call. I will do it tonight. That's what we need to do in this moment. Okay, church, are you ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that freedom would flow, that there would be no room for insecurity. God, no room for fear. God, we know that you are powerful to forgive us of all unrighteousness. God, I thank you that as we repent, God, the, a supernatural blessing is going to be poured out on our lives, that good things are going to be produced. So right now, your kindness is leading us to repentance. So God, I pray that you would give us supernatural strength to come and bow before you and 
give our hearts afresh and anew to you. In Jesus' name, if you want to repent, come now. Come now. What we're going to do is I'm going to lead us in a corporate prayer of repentance. And then we're going to get to the second baptism. And right now I want to ask any prayer partners or leaders to come quickly right up here at the front. If you're if you're one of our leaders, CLC students, prayer partners, come quickly as, as we are about to pray over people. God, come on, y'all, pray with me. Lord, we repent. God, help us to be a church that loves people better. God, we repent of ever causing anyone to, to shy away from falling in love with you. God, we pray for our nation. God, your word calls us to pray for our enemies. So God, we pray that you would forgive our nation. We pray that you would forgive our, our lack of zeal to follow hard after you as a nation. God, we ask that your word promised us, and this has been a theme all week long, that your word says that if we will humble ourselves and if we'll turn from our wicked ways, if we'll repent, then you will hear us from heaven and you will heal our land. So God, as a corporate body, we practice the baptism of repentance. We ask that you would forgive us. God, forgive us even if we weren't the ones to commit the sin that has displeased you. God, we pray that this church would be a church that is free. This church that is would be a church that is forgiven. This church would be a church that is filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name. So the last thing we're going to do and then people are getting in the tank is if you want to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going so that someone even better than me can come. And Jesus said, y'all wait, y'all wait with expectation. Expectation precedes the supernatural. And so he said, go to Jerusalem, wait in the upper room, and I'm going to do you with power to be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the universe. And, and so tonight, you're in this room, and you'd say, Pastor, I love Jesus, but I want more of God tonight. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe you've been filled already. 
You might say, I want a fresh anointing to fall on my life. I want the power of God. If we want revival in Columbus, Georgia, we have got to have the power of the Holy Spirit backing us. Amen. So all it takes, all it takes is to wait in expectation. It's a free gift. God's already paid for it in Jesus Christ. And so if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to believe in faith. So I want you to come right now. You say, I want more of Jesus. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want God to anoint me to have a further impact in this world. Come quickly right now. We're going to pray for the power of God to fall in this room tonight. Come quickly if you want that. anointing begin to lift up your hands and ask for it you want the power of God in your life you want a fresh touch from heaven lift up your hands we are a Pentecostal church let's begin to have a prayer moment lift up your voice you got the gift of tongues begin to pray in the spirit begin to lift up your voice God have your way we worship you tonight have your way Holy Spirit anointing over your people, a fresh confidence, a fresh boldness to proclaim your word. God, we ask for a fresh anointing for our finances. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fall in our families. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to make a way where there seems to be no way. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders. God, if, we're, if you're hungry, if you're hungry tonight, lift up your hands. 
He's here to fill you. He's here to refresh you. We love you, Jesus. We linger for a moment in your presence.
fantastic night. We are celebrating life change, which is such an exciting thing. These are our baptismal candidates. We have five of them who are going to be baptized. We get to celebrate new life with them tonight. Yeah, that's something to be excited about. Absolutely. We're real quick going to meet them. They're going to tell us their names very quickly. Jalen, or Jalen, I know your name. What's your name? Jalen. What's your name, big man? One more time. Rosario. Lily. Alexis. And Nicholas. Fantastic. Let's give them a hand as they're going to celebrate life change today.
I tell you, as a pastor, these credential ministers, there's no other joy like the joy of watching somebody make a public declaration for Jesus. And you know what I'm believing? I'm believing that we at North Highland Church are going to see so many people coming to Jesus that we got to do this more and more often. Amen? Would you agree with me? Lord, what a privilege it is to be a part of watching you draw people to yourself, watching people experience that baptism of repentance, that baptism in water, and the baptism of your Holy Spirit. We're going to walk in that baptism. When you were baptized, Lord, the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Lord, you are well pleased with every one of these baptismal candidates. We are pleased with them too. We celebrate with them too. Thank you, oh God. Minister to every prayer need we have tonight. Every single prayer need. Touch every person, Lord. I pray. Heal everybody who needs a physical touch. Encourage everyone who needs encouraging, I pray. Restore anybody who needs restored. Refresh anyone who feels dry inside. Pour the water of your Holy Spirit on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God love you. God bless you. Tomorrow night at 6.30, from 6.30 to 7.30, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. Pastor Mike is going to lead us in that hour of prayer and communion, so you don't want to miss. Hey, bring somebody with you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. God love you. God bless you. Who could carry that car?